Few things strike fear into the hearts of parents like the Science Fair Project. And I believe that that fear is rooted in a lack of knowing really how to approach the Science Fair Project. After all, it seems like a huge assignment to complete. But if you break it down into simple steps, the task becomes much more manageable. So in our next conference session, I aim to ease your fears and remove those doubts surrounding the Science Fair Project by sharing the eight steps that my husband and I have developed to help you complete a Science Fair Project. In today's episode, we'll listen to the reasons for doing a Science Fair Project and find out those first two steps. Welcome to another conference session. I know that some of you were expecting our fifth session to be about classical education and a bit more about my journey. But as we listened to the session, the audio quality was terrible and a few things needed to be updated as the session was recorded over five years ago. So instead, we decided to share our science fair project session with you all. Just like our other sessions, we'll be breaking this one up into three easily digested chunks, which we'll share over the rest of the month. And at the end of the month, we'll release the full video of the session. In addition to the individual episode posts, we will have a home for all the session's materials at elementalscience.com slash blogs slash news slash science dash fair. That's elementalscience.com slash blogs with an S slash news with an S slash science dash fair. Well, with that housekeeping out of the way, let's join the Eliminate Your Fears and Doubts Surrounding the Science Fair Project session. Good morning. Welcome to Eliminate Your Fears and Doubts About the Science Fair Project. The Science Fair Project is that dragon in the corner of our basement, back where we keep those science teaching tools we really don't want to use. We know it's down there. We know we should do something about it. But we really, really don't want to face the idea of having to do a Science Fair Project with our students. And right now, you probably just want me to tell you that it's okay you can ignore that science fair project dragon and you can stick to its easier to manage cousin, the hands-on scientific test, right? (laughs) But we're not going to do that. Instead, we're going to break down the science fair project into manageable steps. And along the way, we're going to weave in a sample student so that you can see how this process works. And by the end, you are going to be able to go down into that basement and slay the Science Fair Project Dragon, one chunk at a time. So my name is Paige Hudson, and I have literally written the book on this. (laughs) But more than that, I have walked students through doing a Science Fair Project many times, and I know that you can do this. So when it comes to uh, doing science fair projects, I had two distinct but different experiences with doing the science fair project growing up. So my first experience with the science fair project was one that I'm sure many of you can relate to. Basically, our teacher got up and she said, you're going to do a science fair project. It's due you know, in six weeks and good luck. And that was pretty much all the direction we got. So it needed to be about a scientific topic and we needed to answer a question. That was basically all the information we got about the science fair project. And so I chose a project about clouds because I was 
absolutely convinced that clouds had a pattern. And if I took a picture of clouds for 30 days, I would see that that pattern was repeated. Well, Honestly, if I had done a little bit of research, I probably would have figured out that that wasn't true. But I didn't do any research because I didn't know that you had to do research with the science fair project. So I went outside every day at the same time and took pictures and lo and behold, hmm, clouds didn't have a pattern. And so honestly, I didn't learn that much about science. I just got frustrated and confused and I cried many tears over doing that science fair project. And when it came around and when it came time to do the science fair project the following year, I honestly wanted nothing to do with it. But I had a new teacher, Mrs. I, and she broke the science fair project down into steps and told us what we needed to do along the way. And so because of that added direction that year, I did an experiment about plants, whether different soil types would make a difference in how the plant grew. And we're actually going to follow that project as we go through these steps. But when she broke it down step by step, I understood what I needed to do at each stage. And I was much more successful with my science fair project in general. And by the end of the project, I was much more satisfied with the experience. And I felt like I learned something about science. And I felt like there was a purpose behind doing this science fair project uh, beyond just completing the assignment my teachers had given me. So these uh, steps that my husband and I have developed are somewhat are loosely based on my experience with Mrs. I in the science fair. So before we dig into those eight steps, we're going to talk about uh, why and when you should do a science fair project with your students. Um, First of all, why we bother with doing a science fair project is because it gives our students a chance to see the scientific method from start to finish in a way that nothing else we do can. We can do hands-on Uh, experiments, we can do demonstrations, we can do nature study with our students, and yes, it will present uh, the face of science to our students, but as far as using the scientific method from start to finish, the Science Fair Project is the best tool we have to introduce our students to what it's like to go through the scientific method. So that's really why we should bother uh, with doing a Science Fair Project and when should you do one? I generally recommend that you hold off on doing a science fair project until about fifth grade, because by the time they hit fifth grade, our students have built up their knowledge base enough to develop a question for their science fair project and to be able to um, develop that hypothesis that they have or to make an informed guess about the answer to their question to do the research that's necessary and just to be able to do all the steps. The science fair project is a big assignment. And so I generally like to wait until about fifth or sixth grade for, uh, to assign a science fair project to my students so that they have the skills that they need to complete the science fair project. So of course, a science minded child can continue to do science fair projects every year from middle school through high school if they enjoy them. Um, but I recommend that you do at least one science fair projects with your students during the middle school years. So I've mentioned the scientific method a few times. Let's go through uh, the steps of the scientific method. So we'll understand what the scientific method is that we're guiding our students through. So the scientific method is really 
a method that helps uh, scientists examine and observe. The scientific method is a process that scientists use to examine and observe before making a statement of fact. A scientist wants to approach a question analytically. They want to gather information to learn about the subject and to do some tests before they are making a statement of fact because we want to be able to back that fact up with information. So the first step is to ask a question. So a scientist will observe an occurrence or something that makes them wonder what is going on behind it. And they'll create a question that they are asking. So the second step in the scientific method is to do a little research. So the scientists will research the topics surrounding it, will gather information to see if anybody else has done this test before. If anybody else has had this question before, if they've done experiments or tests around this question that we have, and learn a bit of background information about the subject matter, because this will give us the basis for formulating a hypothesis. And it also keeps us from repeating mistakes of that from the past. So we'll ask a question, we'll do a bit of research, and then we're ready to make a hypothesis. And that's step three. And so in step three, we'll formulate that hypothesis, which is an educated guess. Okay, so a hypothesis isn't just a guess at something, it's an educated guess. We've got a background of information um, from which we will make a guess at what the answer to the question is. And this hypothesis will be able to be measured. So it's best if it's a simple if-then statement. And it'll be around a sentence long. So once we have this educated guess of the answer to our question, we'll do an experiment. So the scientist will develop an experiment that will test his or her hypothesis, and they'll have more than one sample in there so that we can uh, verify the results, and they'll only change one variable at a time, again, so that our, our results will be reliable. So then in step five, they'll look at those results. Remember, observations are things that they see and results are things that you are specific and measured. So they'll look at their diary or journal that they've kept throughout the testing and they'll look at the data that they got back from the testing and they'll analyze these things to draw conclusions. And that's the final step. So we've asked a question, we've done some research, we came up with a hypothesis, and we've used an experiment to test that hypothesis. We've analyzed the results that we've gotten, and now we're going to draw a conclusion. And the scientists will use all the discoveries that they've made along the way to make a statement about uh, their question. And this communicates their results. And if they found that their hypothesis is false, uh, the scientists will go back and design another experiment to test their hypothesis or maybe come up with another hypothesis and test that one. And the procedure goes on and on and on until we can make a, a verified um, theory about the answer to our question. And then other scientists will come along and they will test it and see if they can replicate our results before scientists as a community feel like, yes, we can make a statement of fact about uh, this specific question. Does that make sense? So that's the basis of the scientific method. And we're going to use that process as the basis of our science fair project. 
So the science fair project will follow uh, the six steps of the scientific method, and then we'll add in two more steps for a presentation because we want to share and communicate our results. Okay. So let's dig into how we begin. Step one, we are going to choose a topic. So we start at the beginning. We need to come up with a topic for our science fair project, right? So when we pick this topic, we want to capitalize on our students' interest. So you want to have your students uh, brainstorm about topics that interest them. And then you want to have them uh, rank those areas by degree of interest and have them choose which area they're actually going to focus their project on. So when I did my science fair project in seventh grade, I was interested in things like plants and animals. And I was also interested in light bulbs and magnets. But for my project, I chose that I wanted to do something relating with plants because at that time, plants were the most interesting to me. But plants is kind of a broad topic, so we needed to kind of narrow that down, what specifically interested me about plants, and to come up with a topic for my project. And for that, it was the growth of plants. So if your student has, uh, if their topic is too broad, we need to kind of narrow it down a little bit that will be so that they'll be able to choose or to develop uh, questions about it, which will be the next thing we do in choosing a topic for the science fair project. We're going to develop a question about that area of interest that they picked. You need to remind your students that good questions begin with how, what, when, who, which, why, or where. So basically you'll say to them, now that we've determined the area of science we want to learn about, let's think of some questions that we could answer about that subject. So if my topic was the growth of plants, I could use questions such as, why do plants grow? How fast do plants grow? When do plants grow? And which plants grow faster? Okay, so once you have a few questions around the topic that they picked, you're ready to choose one of those topics to be the main question. You will analyze the questions that they came up with and you want to know a question that's not uh, too broad, but that will be specific enough that they can develop a test around it. So if I chose why do plants grow? Well, that's really broad because sunlight, water, and nutrients, these all affect plant growth, not to mention uh, the weather and a whole host of other factors. That question would have been too time consuming to do an experiment about. So you could narrow it down to, you know, how does the lack of sunlight affect the growth of houseplants? Uh, which soil is best for houseplants to grow in? Those are more specific, making it easier for our students to measure. So basically, in this first step of choosing a topic, we're going to pick something that interests our students. We're going to narrow it down by asking some questions about that topic, and then we're going to narrow those down even more to choose a question that is specific that we can test with an experiment. So through that process for our sample project, we've chosen the question, which soil is best for houseplants to grow in? So now that we have narrowed it down to a question, we're ready to move on to the second step, which is to do some research. So we have our topic, and now we need to learn some more about it. We need to give ourselves some background information so that we can develop our hypothesis and design a good experiment. So the first thing we're going to do, we're going to brainstorm from for some research categories. So this will help our students uh, take a more focused approach to their research. 
And they should have uh, at least three categories that they can research, but no more than five, as this will help them. This will make it a bit easier for them to write their research report as a part of the science fair project. So for example, in my project, which soil is best for houseplants to grow in? I came up with the topics of uh, what is found in soil, uh, plant growth in general, like how do plants grow, uh, information about plant structure, and the different types of soil. So I had these research categories, things for me to look at when I went to the library. So now that I had these categories of information that I wanted to find, it's time to hit the library. Of course, you can choose to do to allow your students to do research on the internet, or you can just have them use the resources that you already have on your shelf at home. That's a great thing about being a homeschooler. We have multiple options. Um, so wherever they choose to do their research, I love uh, to use what I call the index card system. So as they find key facts, basically you'll take an index card and you'll assign each research category a number. So the types of soil would be category number four. Does that make sense? And then when you find a reference, you'll create a master reference list and assign those a letter. So for instance, I'm, I don't know, doing research from the Kingfisher Science Encyclopedia about plant structure, right? So plant structure is my third category. I'm going to assign the Kingfisher Science Encyclopedia my reference A, and then I'm going to put one piece of information on my index card. So on this index card, I'm going to have that one piece of information in the middle. In the left-hand side, I'm going to put a number three for my research category, and then I'm going to put a letter A in the right-hand side uh, for my reference letter. Okay, does that make sense? So that's how we do the index card system. And this makes it super easy for when we hit the next step uh, for organizing the research that we've done. Basically, you will take these index cards and organize them into uh, an outline of sorts for your research paper. So you'll go through each fact and you'll determine, you'll have the student go through each fact and determine five to seven of the most relevant from each category. So you'll sort all your index cards into the uh, three to five categories that you have. And then you will uh, determine, you know, five to seven to create this research report. And the great thing about this is because you've written the reference letters, you know exactly which references to include in your work cited report. So they've got these index cards and they've created this basically an outline for a report. And then in the last part of their research, they will write a short report about what they found out. Okay. So using the index card system makes it easier for them to organize and write this report in their own words, of course. So once we have some research, the students are ready to formulate their hypothesis. So at this point, our students have chosen a topic, they developed a question that they want to learn more about, and they have done some research, and now they are fully prepared to formulate a hypothesis. Well, I trust you now see why it's important to do a science fair project at least once with your students. 
and you have the tools you need to get started. Next week, we'll join in on the second part of the session where we'll dig deeper into how to actually do the science fair project you selected. We've added links to several more tips and tools for the science fair project to the page for this session, which you can find at elementalscience.com slash blogs slash podcast slash 47. That's elementalscience.com slash blogs with an S slash podcast slash this episode's number, which is 47. If you still have questions, you can leave a comment there. And if you've enjoyed this peek into our conference vaults, would you take a moment to leave a review or rating for the Tips for Homeschool Science show? I would really appreciate you taking the time to share your thoughts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you have a great week playing with science. This peek inside our conference vault has been sponsored by Elemental Science. At Elemental Science, our mission is to help educators just like you teach science. As part of that mission, we provide science fair project sheets that go along with the steps presented in this session. We also offer a book, The Science Fair Project, a step-by-step guide, which was the basis for this conference session. Visit elementalscience.com slash sciencefairproject to see how we can help you complete your very first science fair project.